Hey, Courtney. Hey, Sasha. Did you hear about the chameleon who couldn't change color? No. What's going on with him? He has a reptile dysfunction. (laughs) (laughs) It's Spoop Hour. paranormal comedy podcast hosted by two halloweenies i'm sasha i'm courtney it's thursday night when we're recording and we're both going through it (laughs) we both have a reptile dysfunction we both have a reptile dysfunction and you know that's fine for a thursday so if you have a reptile dysfunction it's okay (laughs) yeah welcome to the club (laughs) as always you can find us and our reptile dysfunction (laughs) on twitter and instagram at spoop hour and you can also email us at Booper at gmail.com, which we did yes. get another listener story, so we'll get to we that sure in just did. a minute. What uh, if we rename our Patreon Club Chameleon? Because Club we all have a reptile dysfunction. <laughs> <laughs> and all of our patrons are like, absolutely not. Yeah, they're like, no, that's okay. <laughs> no, that's no. Come on. No. <laughs> so before we have we have a Patreon. Yeah, we do have we a Patreon. We also have a merch store. So yeah. there's links to it in the episode description. Yeah. Tell people about this podcast. Do it. Do it, cowards. Um, actually, I guess, yeah, the spooky things. Yeah. Does anything spooky happen to you this week, Sasha? Oh, well, today's my last day of summer vacation. <laughs> no! Uh, we're, yeah, we're recording on Thursday. I have to go back to work on a Friday. Who does on a that? Friday! Who on does a Friday! Who <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I have a meeting tomorrow, and so the spookiest thing of all is that summer vacation is coming to an end, and I have to go back to school in person. Yay! Which, I no. mean, I've done that since March, but yeah. I also did it in March with, like, three kids in a classroom and everyone else online, and now it's 100% everyone in person, so that's kind of scary. But, yeah, it's been more than a year and a half since I last had students, and also, like, a year and a half since any students knew that I had a podcast. It's like, they very, like, yeah, so, like, the spookiest thing of all would be more of them finding out that I have a podcast, so. There's nothing spookier than that. (laughs) Nothing spookier than that. (laughs) Yeah, so, so, yeah, spookiest thing of all is that summer is dead. (laughs) (laughs) I killed it. I'm going to a meeting on a Friday. (laughs) R.I.P. summer. Rip summer. Pour one out. Uh, How about you? Did anything spooky happen to you? Oh, boy. Oh, oh wait, boy. one more thing. I reached oh, into yes. my attic yesterday because Jack and I decided we're going to get a storage unit and we're going to put sure. all of our Halloween decoration in like a climate controlled storage unit. Love it. But I had to go into my attic to to get something, get, get the Halloween decorations out. And it is not only hot up there, but when I pushed the lid up and moved my hands, everything was spider webs. No. <laughs> I was so uncomfortable. Which, I don't know for you, you are scared of spiders, but which is yes. worse, the guy who lives in the attic or spiders that live in the attic? Hmm. Or in your house, just in general? It depends. 
if I'm not actively touching the spider webs in the attic, mm-hmm. guy in the attic is worse. So theoretical okay. guy beats theoretical spiders. Okay. In reality, I'm unlikely to encounter a guy living in the attic, so it's probably spiders. spiders. Yeah. So kind of hard to answer, but I think, yeah. Because, yeah. you know... Obviously, the guy living in the attic would be more of a threat to me, but right. he's less likely than a bunch of spiders. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Ugh. I have to, I just remembered something spooky that happened to me. Okay. Yeah. There was a TikTok I saw recently of a guy talking to the spider that lives in its shower. Yeah. Uh, I'll send so, it to you. It doesn't have a spider. It's a man <laughs> pretending to be a spider. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. So I had a spider in the bathroom and we have fruit flies, we think, because one of our sink like pipes is fucked up. Ooh. And our landlords aren't great and did Mm-mm. shoddy renovations. Mm. So when we initially noticed this issue with the sink, we told them and they're like, oh, it just needs to be cleaned. You know, it's basically a new kitchen. And we're like, okay. And now we're to the point where it's, it's developing fruit flies. So there are fruit flies around. Annoying AF. Like if mm-hmm. you've ever had fr- fruit flies, they're fucking everywhere. It's awful. Oh, all I do is kill them, and still there are more. In fact, I just killed another one without doing anything, because I can see its corpse floating in my bowl of apple cider vinegar. Ah. So there was a spider in my bathroom. I went into the bathroom. There was a spider on the wall by the toilet, but far enough from the toilet. And I looked at it in its stupid spider eyes, and I'm like, listen here, buddy. I'm going to let you live and violate my own personal rule of if spiders are in my space, I get to kill them just the same way they would try to kill me if I were in their space outside. I'm like, I will let you live, but you got to do something about these goddamn fruit mm-hmm. flies. Like, go spider smorgasbord on them. There's 50 gazillion. If go you eat them. Yeah, if you are going to be allowed to live here, you have to earn your keep, and that keep is eating fruit flies. And I thought we had a gentleman's oh. agreement. The next day, the spider has moved a little bit, but still hasn't set up a web. And I'm like, look, I get it. You want to settle in, but, like, I'm going to need you to eat these fruit flies. Mm-hmm. Tick tock. The next day, spider has vanished. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe it's set up like a web behind the toilet yeah. or somewhere where I can't see it, but it can still eat fruit flies and still hold true to the bargain. And then the next day, I was getting ready to take a shower. And I was mm. as naked as I am when we do this podcast, because as we've said before, we record naked. We record naked. As the day we were born. <laughs> so I'm getting ready to get in the shower. I pull back the shower curtain and I look down and thank God I looked down because that spider motherfucker was waiting where I step (laughs) and I was naked and vulnerable and I was like, you son of a bitch, I let you live and this is how you repay me. So I rinsed him down the drain Mm -hmm. because I saw him before I got in the shower and so I just turned the shower on and was like, bye bitch. I sent you the TikTok so you can watch it after we record this because it's... (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's about a spider that shows up in your shower. <laughs> Amazing. And then the other spooky thing that yeah. happens to me is happening to me is that my body continues to be a clusterfuck. I'm currently extremely hormonal because of doctor treatments for stuff. And all I do is cry. Like I have I have some good news and I've been crying about it for the past like three hours. You know, yeah, normal person stuff. But you so, look really pretty today. Oh, Thank you. I'm wearing my pajamas. Well, your pajamas are very pretty. (laughs) Thank you. It's working for me. I did. This is not, they're they're not paying for this. I discovered a brand of sleep shorts I really like. I'm wearing them. Mm -hmm. I will show you them. They're really comfy. There's pretty blue color, right? So this brand of sleep shorts that I really like, they're called Jambies. Again, they are not paying us. 
But apparently when I ordered these, I ordered a different pair first, loved them, ordered a second pair. And these are supposed to be navy blue. And they came and I was like, oh, this is kind of a lighter blue. But also, I don't care. They're pajamas. Like, right. all I care is that they're comfy and they fit. Mm-hmm. And they do both of those things and have pockets. So, like... You win. I'm golden. Yeah. yeah. Well, I get an email a couple days ago, and they're like, oopsies, turns out the navy is the wrong color of blue, and we're so sorry for disappointing you. Here's a gift card so you can buy another pair of shorts. And I'm like, ooh, Thank fuck you. yes. So this bitch is going to get herself another pair of PJ Yay. shorts once I get the cute colors back in my size. Woo-hoo. So those are the spooky things that have happened to me. <laughs> Take care of your stupid meat sacks and pray you don't have reproductive system issues. Cause yeah. Christ. <laughs> we have enough for you. <laughs> we, yes. Between the two of us, we have like opposite end problems. Yeah. So if you were to, like, add us together and divide by two, you'd get two perfectly healthy people with uteruses, but instead you have us. Yeah. So. Imagine having a period too often and having yes. a period not often enough. And that's, <laughs> and that's, this that's this podcast. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Guess which is which. No, please don't. <laughs> Email spoop at gmail.com with your guesses. Don't do that. Don't, we'll send don't. you a sticker. No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and the sticker's just going to be a big thumbs down and us making a uh, face. <laughs> so speaking oh, of emailing Spoop Hour, we have listener Some, mail. Someone already has guessed who gets too many and who gets too few. <laughs> so we have an email from listener Araceli. Thank you Thank to you. Araceli for Kisses. email. So I shall read it. Yay. So I have a spooky occurrence that happened to me a few months ago. Love it. Love it. It's a great time for spooky things to happen to you. All right. So I work in home health and I was in a patient's house. I saw some movement out of the corner of my eye out of the window, which isn't unusual because the road is right there. So it's usually just a car passing. But this time it looked like a woman walking up to the door, which, okay, I thought maybe was a nurse or another therapist. The doorbell never rang and no one came in. But almost instantly, it sounded like someone started walking around on the second floor, with which we both heard. My oh. patient doesn't use the second floor because it is unsafe for him to use the stairs, and no one else was in the house. Oh, no. I can maybe explain seeing someone coming to the door as, like, a car passing, maybe, but not the footsteps on the second floor. Oh, my God. Araceli, you're in danger. <laughs> you're your in patient, danger, girl. Get out of there. Your patient is in danger. That's so scary. Oh, I don't. Oh, I don't care for that. Because, like, the they didn't ring the doorbell. I was like, oh, well, maybe it's, like, you know, my mailman thing. Yeah, where just I like looked left up and just happened to catch the mailman right. at the wrong instance and scare the shit out of myself. But then there was the noise upstairs. I don't like that. Yeah. Oh, I don't thank like that. Thank you for that. sending us that, though. Yes, we re- I don't like that, but also thank you. But also thank you. I like it. But also, why did you do this to us? Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's, I mean, a good like, one. so my grandparents, when they built their new house like 20 years ago, mm-hmm. it was, they decided to go from, they had a multi-story country farmhouse and next to it, they built a one-story house with a basement. And the basement is just exactly the same size as the top floor of the house, but just one giant room. And sure. my grandpa eventually like put in extra drywall to make a couple of separate rooms to make a workroom for him, sure. you know, a canning storage thing for vegetables and other things and, and a guest room. My grandma lives up there by herself now. Uh-huh. And 
I have always really loved that house. That's the thing is like I it was only spooky to me like the first time I ever went up there because I just like wasn't wasn't used to the new house yet. And like there were still like kind of some kinks and uh, renovation being done. Yeah. I'm like usually not scared of it, but I feel like this idea that there's this giant ass basement. And if I was living alone and because she doesn't go up and down the stairs that often because she's getting older. Yeah, I would I would be scared. Like yeah. if, if there was like an entire floor of my house that I couldn't access, I would be scared. Back yeah. when, I mean, my office is a really big mess right now, but when we first moved in, we just ended up using this room as like a storage, like holding area. And yeah. I would sometimes have nightmares about it as this like weird, we- like an entire wing of the house that I just never go into. Because Isn't it like you don't go to the East Wing in Beauty and the Beast? Yeah. Because that's where it keeps yeah. his little rose. But then it was just like, like our that, stuff was like here. It's like that, but like spooky. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just the idea of like having an entire floor that you can't go to. Yeah, because and like I have I have a hard time anyway with like sounds in places where I know there is nothing that can produce the sound there. Mm-hmm. Like there were times in high school where I would be alone and the dog would be in my room and I would hear a sound like somebody was walking through the house mm-hmm. and I'd like freak out because I knew this can't be anyone. I'm home alone and the only other living entity that could be making the sound is in the room with me. Right. What the fuck? Yeah. So. I mean, it was scary even when we lived uh, either of the places that we lived. Mm-hmm. If you weren't home or Mysterious Third Roommate wasn't home and I was oh, yeah. home, it was the worst. That happened one time. I think, no, it was when we were in the place before the last yeah. place we lived mm-hmm. together. I was coming back from visiting my partner and Mysterious Third Roommate, I don't know where they were, but they were out. So, yeah. and you texted us and you were like, are either of you home? The cats are down here with me, but I hear noises upstairs. And I was like, oh my God. And I was already driving at yeah. that point. And I like, I just g- saw that come up on my phone and I was like, oh my God. So I like, I'm doing voice to text, but it picked up some of the podcast words that I was listening to. <laughs> so it came out all garbled. Like, that's just not what you do. I'm on my way home. Please be okay. Like, yeah. do what you need to do. Yeah. It's- and it's upsetting. Yeah, and it's, it's funny because, like, the first place that we lived was only two stories. Yeah. The second was, place was, we lived was... Like, four. It was, like, four stories because we had, we had, like, a split-level basement. Yeah. And then, like, at least, like, a the main floor main was floor. a split level, but, like, you could still see all the way through it. And then there was yeah. the bedrooms upstairs. And it was just, like, it could be kind of spooky. Yeah. Yeah. You... When the squirrel died in the dryer, that spooky thing that Mm -hmm. happened to me, we, I thought I had cleaned everything out, but for a while after that, we had like a shit ton of flies Mm -hmm. just cause like, like hordes of them. And then they all like abruptly died in the basement. And so there were just like 75 dead flies in front of the back door. And I was like, this is, I hate this. I hope whoever (laughs) is living there now is not experiencing dead squirrels in their dryer. Yeah, that's... I hope wherever any of you are listening from... That you never not have a dead squirrel in dead a dryer. Squirrel. Oh my god, it's a goddamn nightmare. Uh-uh. What are we talking about today? We're talking about colors! We're talking about dead squirrels in dryers! No, we're yeah. talking about colors! Yay! Yeah. So we're gonna talk about some folklore colors mm-hmm. and spooky colors and, you Halloween know, like, colors, because it is August, and if you want to decorate for Halloween... You have our express permission to go do that, because if Halloween makes you happy, if decorating for fall makes you happy, if 
99 degree weather <laughs> makes you angry like it was 99 degrees today when I left the Costco. I yep. Julia and I were so mad. We got in the car and we we're like, we need to go to Starbucks and get an ice oh, drink because it was just so hot. It's fucking hot. So, um, but yeah, I, so like if you hate you summer do. and you're like, fuck this, I'm going to decorate for fall. You go do that. Bath and Body Works has their fall smells out now. They have now, some so of their I, Halloween stuff. Did you see? They have this like like big haunted house like nightlight thing. It is so cute. I bought the spooky ghost one. So Ooh. it's like the little ghost nightlight because I was like, I have the wallflower I need. Mm-hmm. We don't need any more wallflowers for any more rooms. Like every room that needs one has one. But then I was like, but it's a little cute ghosty. It's a little ghosty. So I got the ghosty and a bunch of Halloween smells because it's like pumpkin and shit. Because, you know, why not? Everything's miserable. Do what makes you happy. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Halloween in August. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm going to kick things off by talking about Haint Blue. So Haint Blue, if you are unfamiliar with it, is a pale blue-green color that is most traditionally associated with porch ceilings in the South. So if you imagine, like, an old home, particularly in Georgia and South Carolina, their porch, there's that color that's it's painted. It's like a very pale blue mm-hmm. with a little bit of a green undertone, like a, almost like a washed out robin's egg blue. Mm-hmm. It's that color. Okay. Did you know that that light, beautiful color is spooky in origin? Ooh, tell me Ooh. why. Let's dive in. <laughs> so presumably Sasha already knows what a haint is because she read Beloved and you know, contextualized it, but <laughs> hate blue originated with the Gullah or Gullah Geechee, the descendants of enslaved Africans in the low country region of the U.S., which is Georgia, Florida, and the Carolinas, and a couple scattered islands along the coast. The Gullah developed a Creole language and a culture that blended Bahamian, Bahin, and African cultural roots. So it's kind of that that thing we see a lot with diaspora where, you know, it's kind of blending of different things in an attempt to preserve the culture that had been ripped away from them. Mm-hmm. It all kind of got hodgepodge together and it formed its own independent entity in the Gullah. Because their ancestors were enslaved, it's difficult to say which specific parts of Africa originated the people who would eventually become the Gullah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, when the colonizers were ripping people from their homes, they didn't write down, this person came from this place, because they weren't thinking of them as people. Right. So, And they're not going to go up to you after they've kidnapped you and say, oh, by the way, you are from this place. Yeah. Yeah. So the records yeah. are lost. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Some think that the word Gullah is derived from Angola, so maybe they're from there. Mm -hmm. Other people think that it comes from the Gola, who were a group that lived between Sierra Leone and Liberia in West Africa. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's derived from that. Maybe they originated from there. Yeah, I took a Sierra Leonean history class mm -hmm. in college, and our instructor had lived in Sierra Leone for like 30 years and talked a lot about the Gullah and that kind of association with Sierra Leone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's possible that that's where some of it came mm-hmm. from because again, it's a it's a real hodgepodge of different cultures. So you can't even pinpoint with the folklore. This is only specific to this region because, as we've seen with this podcast, everybody kind of has the same. A lot of the same ideas crop up a lot. Yeah, it's also possible that it has some indigenous American roots as well. Oh. So there's the Guale River in South Carolina and Georgia, and it was named by the Spanish for a Native American tribe that lived in that region. So it's possible that some of that. And there's also Mm -hmm. the Ogeechee River in Georgia that was central to Guale territory. So it's possible that Gullah came, you know, it was a mix of enslaved peoples from Africa, 
indigenous people who were here first and just kind of everything getting uh, yeah. all mixed Mishmash. up. Yeah. yeah, kind of a mishmash. Accordingly, the resulting folklore is a mix of a bunch of different influences that creates a very distinct set of spiritual customs and beliefs. Mm-hmm. So Gullah stories, you'll see influences like Br'er Rabbit comes up in some Gullah stories. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a very like distinct, this is definitely a Gullah culture. Mm-hmm. So where does Haint Blue fit in? Because this is about colors, Courtney. <laughs> not Courtney talks about anthropology. Hour. <laughs> What, what is spoop hour if not a little bit of anthropology hour? <laughs> Truly. What yeah. is spoop if not anthropology? Yeah. <laughs> so in the early days of Haint Blue, it was used to paint the ceilings of slave quarters. It was made from crushed indigo, which was common on plantations in the Deep South. Mm-hmm. So it seems like an odd choice. Like, okay, you're going to paint the ceiling a very specific color. Why that color? Why the ceiling? What's going on? So the first clue is the name. Haint is likely derived from haunt. So it's used by the Gullah to refer to restless ghosts who have remained in the world to haunt the living with pranks and trickery. So kind mm-hmm. of a general catch-all word for ghosts mm-hmm. is haints. And generally kind of, kind of that, that, that like trickstery vibe. Yeah, to I was going to say, it sounds of, like a poltergeist. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little poltergeisty. And then there's like different kinds of haints, but like based on the research that I did, the catch-all term is haint, and then mm-hmm. you get, like, little different categories of haint. Mm. Also, this research came from Wikipedia, theall.com, history.howstuffworks.com, getpocket.com, atlasobscura, si.edu, and lowcountryweekend.com. So, that's what a haint is. It's mm-hmm. just a general, like, spooky entity. And sometimes haints take a more sinister tactic, so there are definitely haints that are less polter, like more like scary poltergeist mm-hmm. rather than just haha, I'm flicking the lights up and down. Yeah, more like I'm going I'm to kill some you. Harm. Yeah. <laughs> so there are people who practice hoodoo, mm-hmm. use haint to refer to a shape shifting, skin shedding, witch like ghost that chases victims until they die of exhaustion. Oh Jesus. Oh, God. Yeah. Haints in hoodoo tradition also may suffocate or drown their victims. So, like, haints in hoodoo are not fucking around. I don't like, like that because, I mean, I know I say, like, I believe in ghosts and I am scared of ghosts. But, like, I am scared of this more. Like, usually yeah, I'm like, like, oh, well, a ghost, okay, like, I'm scared of it, but it can't do anything to me. Like, no, this sounds right. like it can do shit to me. That's You're terrifying. You're scared of, like, the nice ghost that shows up and it's, like, fancy evil. Right, and it's, like, like it's, hi, Sasha. Yeah, it surprises me, you know? That upsets you, but, yeah. like, this is like, terrifying. Awesome. I'm going to suck your life out, and I peeled my skin off. I don't like I don't that. that it's, yeah, it's a bummer. So, <laughs> Haint Blue was derived as a way to repel the spirits, which, like, if you are a hoodoo practitioner and they're fucking tearing their skin off and trying to suffocate you, absolutely, I would like to repel them, please, and yeah. thank you. So, haint blue was believed to work because it could trick the haints. So, if you painted it on the ceiling, mm-hmm. haints would look at it and be tricked into thinking it was the sky, so they'd fly up into it thinking they'd have more space, but it would accidentally send them outside of the house, oh. so then they were away from you. And then it also mimicked the color of water, and according to folklore, haints can't cross water. So if they see water, they're going to be like, oh, I can't, I can't go back in. <sighs> And move on to a different house. So Haint Blue was originally to ward off these spirits. That is so clever. I love it. And, like, it's a very, like, 
we'll post a picture on the Instagram mm-hmm. of what color it is. Yeah. I'll, I'll show you now. It is a color that you absolutely have seen yeah. on, like, porches. When you said porch, I was like, oh, yeah, of You course. know that color. It, it pulls up in your oh, head. Yeah. But like, like, you yeah. can find it, like, Sherwin-Williams and yes. Benjamin yeah, Moore sell it. That comes up later in my notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's a very common color, and I, I think a lot of particularly white people are not aware that this was originally a ghost repellent. So you've tricked your spirits with your haint blue. Additionally, it was used to ward off boo hags, who are, again, one of those subsets Mm -hmm. of haints. So boo hags are evil spirits who would shed their skins at night. So during the day, they could wander around almost like like a selkie, but like an evil selkie that could take its skin off, like, willingly. Mm Mm-hmm. So they take their skins off at night. They try to find a human. They paralyze the human, ride them like a horse. <laughs> Everything was very specific about riding them like a horse because it was like ride them and it would put in parentheses like, like a, a horse. horse. And I'm like, because you don't want people to be like, oh, they're going to ride it. They're going to ride me, huh? It's like, no, no, like a horse, the bad, the bad kind, unless you're into that. I'm not going to yuck your yum. So they're going to ride you like a horse. Then they're going to kill their, the human that they have found and steal their skin in order to blend in during the day. <sighs> so your skin's going to be walking around and everybody's going to be like, huh, Clyde is really weird lately. Has anybody else noticed? And it's beca- going to be because it's a boo hag in Clyde's skin. <sighs> I'm glad that I know what a boo hag is now so I can be extra scared of it. <laughs> Enjoy going to sleep tonight. So sometimes boo hags would also suck the life out of their victims. So... They would, like, sit on their victims while they were asleep and pull the life out of them, which is also something you see in, like, cat folklore. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, it like a suck cat. Breath out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's one of those common folklore ideas that gets around. In this case, it's the boo hag sucking the life out of you, like mm-hmm. Sanderson sister style. Mm-hmm. Also, as a side note, haint blue wasn't the only blue that was used to ward off ghosts. If you've ever seen those blue glass bottle sculptures... Uh-huh. Those were to trap haints, usually by hanging the bottles in a tree. Oh. So the idea was the haint would go in the bottle and then be like, oh, I can't get out because I'm surrounded by water, and then just get stuck in the bottle. <laughs> I'm stuck. I oh, can't no, get I'm out. Stuck. Yeah, so that's what the blue glass bottle significance was. All right. We cannot talk about something that has its roots in the culture of enslaved peoples mm-hmm. without me being a bummer for a second. So I'm going to talk about this thing it is sad but then i'm gonna lift us back up with another hate blue story and some off-topic awesome gullah folklore awesome. so we're gonna get sad and talk about historical bullshit and then we're gonna we're gonna bring it back up so you'll probably recall if you've ever taken european history i know we covered it in our renaissance unit when i was in the fifth grade mm-hmm. Indigo was frequently in demand as one of the only ways to reliably produce blue and purple dye. Mm -hmm. It was the only way for a very long time that you could get those colors. So indigo, you know, in Western culture, there was that idea that, like, only royals had purple clothing because only royals could afford the indigo. Right. In some parts of Africa, use of indigo as a dye dates back five-plus centuries as a crucial component of culture and as a way to ward off evil. Mm-hmm. And blue is also tied to the Yoruba deity Iamapo, who was a maternal goddess. Mm-hmm. Blue is culturally significant in a lot of places. The only way you get blue for fabrics and things is through indigo. The dye was a for-sure moneymaker to the point where it was historically called blue gold. Basically, if you could get your hands on some indigo, you were going to turn a pretty penny selling that indigo because everybody wanted a piece of it. Mm -hmm. Turns out, 
Indigo loved the marshy subtropical lands known as Low Country in the South. It thrived here. It was it it loved it. It grew like crazy. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a cash crop and deriving the dye from the plant was a lengthy and highly involved process. You know, there were multiple steps. It was hard work. Mm-hmm. So who did the European colonizers turn to for this difficult backbreaking labor? Mm-hmm. That's right, enslaved people stolen from Africa. Oh, so great. by the mid-18th century, indigo was one of America's most valuable exports. It was like a division unto itself of exportation. Mm. And plantation owners got rich from selling it while enslaved people did the actual work. Mm. So that's that's pretty mm-hmm. fun. So how did Haint Blue come to be folklorically significant for the Gullah? Well, like I said, there is the history in Africa of blue being an important color. You have ties to deities. You mm-hmm. have that it's this, it, it has ties to sacred things like it does in a lot of places. But also, the Gullah were often the enslaved people who were working with the indigo. So they had access to the dregs of the indigo when they were done making the dyes. Mm -hmm. So they had these dregs that weren't as intense. And if you used them in conjunction with lime, milk, other pigments they have on hand, Mm -hmm. you get that very unique shade of haint blue. It's Mm -hmm. why it's not a very vivid blue, because you're using indigo that has primarily had all of the juice sucked out of it. Right. You just have kind of the remnants, so it's not going to be as bold, but it's still going to be this particular blue color. Mm -hmm. So here's where it gets even sadder. Basically, haint blue holds cultural significance for the very people who were exploited to create the circumstances in which it could be created circumstances that couldn't have existed if it weren't for the cultural significance of blue. Right. So while it became a way for the Gullah people to try and, like, cling to the heritage that had been stolen from them, the only reason their heritage had been stolen was because of indigo. Right. So it's this very loaded thing for people of Gullah descent, for people who are descended from Mm -hmm. enslaved people, because on the one hand, you want to preserve that culture. Like, it, absolutely, that's something that's really important, especially when it's something that, like, this was the only way you could, like, hold on to something from your past. Right. But it's such a loaded image because it comes from this tragedy. It comes from this brutality. It comes from the exploitation of enslaved people. Mm-hmm who wouldn't have been enslaved if indigo hadn't been such a cash crop. It's like this, I, how did I call it? I was real fired up when I was doing this research. <laughs> it's a horrible Ouroboros where indigo created mm-hmm. the colonizer need for more slaves, which would then contribute to the spread of Gullah belief and practice using indigo. Yep. So it's just this big, horrible cycle where it's like, they were using the indigo because, you know, it was one of the only things that was available to them. But the only reason they had access to the indigo was really, it's, yeah. it's just, it's fucked. It's fucked. The use of indigo eventually declined, in part, after the Revolutionary War. One of the biggest buyers for indigo was the British markets. Mm -hmm. So when Georgia and South Carolina stopped being British colonies because of the Revolutionary War, they no longer had that kind of Mm -hmm. corner on the industry. Mm -hmm. So they lost a huge buyer of indigo, so they couldn't export as much. And by the mid-19th century, synthetic blue dye had become common. Mm -hmm. So once that was developed, people were like, great, we don't need to, like, work really hard with indigo. We can just use this, like, fake shit and get the same results. Sure. Great. So indigo became less crucial. It was less in demand. And suddenly it was no longer blue gold. Mm -hmm. 
As recently as 2016, though, a movement has begun among some Gullah people to reclaim indigo and haint blue dye. Mm -hmm. As Louise Miller Cohen, founder of the Gullah Museum in Georgetown, South Carolina, puts it, I'm interested in learning all I can about the crops that caused my people the loss of their freedom. Mm -hmm. The Gullah Museum now has an indigo exhibit and is growing indigo on the grounds. So it's, it's part of this movement to reclaim this thing that played a very significant role in their history. Right. But it's... It's, they have a fraught relationship mm-hmm. with it for understandable reasons. It's, you know. Yeah. So that's me being, a, like, that's the bummer side of it. Obviously, mm-hmm. anything that has its roots in enslaved people, it's oh, Yeah, it's, it's a bummer with a capital B. Yeah. yeah. Just really sad. Mm-hmm. But I like that there's a movement to reclaim it. Right. I think that's amazing. I think that should be celebrated. Mm-hmm. I think hate blue being reclaimed by the people who built it out of nothing is a great movement, moving it away from just, like, you know, White people being like, that's a pretty color to paint my porch, you mm-hmm, know? So. Mm-hmm. All right, time for a fun story, because now we're all sad. Yeah. Let's bring it back up. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Okay. It's fun in the sense that it's like a, ooh, spooky campfire story. Okay. It's not fun in the sense of like, and then they picked some flowers and everybody was happy. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was an old witch who lived in the woods named Old Betty. Old Betty was ugly AF, but she was very <laughs> helpful to anyone who asked Would politely. Say and I'm she's like, ugly Betty? Yay! <laughs> and that's where the show came from. Oh. <laughs> and also, it's what I'm, I'm going to be when I get old, and that's fine. I'm going to be the ugly witch who lives in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't like the woods. Who lives I on like the edge them. of the woods. <laughs> yeah, that's, there we go. I live on the edge of the woods. I like the woods in concept more than I like the woods in practice. <laughs> old Betty's only friend was an old razorback hog named Rawhead, which is quite the name. One day, a hunter stole Rawhead and slaughtered and skinned him. No! Obviously, Old Betty was pissed. Yeah? And as we all know from basically ever in this podcast, don't piss off a witch. No. Just don't do it. It's not going to go well for you. No. When has that ever gone well for anyone? Truly. Like, what were you thinking? Like, I can only imagine he didn't know it was Old Betty's hog. Right. How could you not know it was Old Betty's hog? Right. He has a name. Everybody, he has a name. Everybody knew old Betty like, oh, it must be some other hog that hangs out with an old woman in the woods. <sighs> Come on. Use your head for two seconds, Hunter. Think, Hunter. Anyway, old Betty is pissed. So she pulled out her spell book, performed a ritual, and summoned Rawhead back from the oh, dead. Oh, shit. Except he came back different. Uh... He now had bloody bear claws for hands and a raccoon tail and he walked on two feet and had a zombified skeleton mess of a body. I thought you said this was going to be fun. It's fun. I told you it was fun like a campfire story. Like a campfire story, Sasha. (laughs) Also, his head was no longer attached to his body, so he carried his pig head in his bare hands. So enjoy your nightmares tonight. (laughs) But old Betty, not being a looker herself, didn't care what her friend looked like, so she was thrilled to have him back. Well, that's good. And together, they wandered around to wreak havoc and seek revenge, except where they found Haint Blue. Interesting. There are other versions of this tale where Rawhead is actually a conjure doctor with two heads who like to bet the devil, or he's a pile of dancing bones who sold his soul to the devil to try and live forever. Hmm. So, no matter what you get into, Rawhead is a haint of some variety. It's just, depending on the version of the story you hear, he's either the reincarnation of a hog or a dude who played with the devil when he shouldn't have. 
Interesting. That, I, okay, that actually, that was actually pretty cool. Yeah. So Hate Blue became so widespread throughout the South that eventually it got absorbed into white Southern culture as well. But it was more for its alleged ability to repel bugs than repel ghosts. Mm-hmm. Weirdly, it could repel bugs. Oh. But it was probably because the old paints used lime and other stuff that uh, bugs don't like. Mm-hmm. So scientists say it was more to do with that than the fact that it yeah. was like it's like basically this specific cr- creating like a repellent chemical yeah. rather than the you're, actual color. Yeah, you're creating a, a natural repellent essentially. Yeah. Instead of... Oh, that's cool. Bugs being like, I don't fuck with that color. Right. You can even buy Haint Blue as a Sherwin-Williams paint. So that's how, like, I saw one site described it. It's like millennial pink. There's not one shade of Haint Blue where it's like, Mm -hmm. it's always going to be this. It's like, it's kind of that family of blue, gray, green colors. Yeah, if you just even just Google Haint Blue and do an image search, there will be a lot of, like, home improvement blogs that will give you kind of like a color palette of a bunch of blues that and greens that kind of go with that idea. But then also... I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people because there's also like just like, look, I repainted my porch. But again, Mm -hmm. it's the visual tradition and the actual like history behind it is probably not known by a lot of people who just go Mm -hmm. and paint their their ceiling blue. They're just like, oh, I'm doing it because that's the thing to do. This is the style in the neighborhood. Right. I'm just going to paint it and not worry about it. But it's got it's got a loaded history. Now you mostly see it on ceilings, doors, and window frames. Mm -hmm. And there's even a game called Bugs and Boo Hags that requires your character to paint things hate blue to ward off boo hags. (laughs) So it's a little game where you just paint stuff blue. Jack and I really want to put a porch on our house. And so now I know what color it's going to be. (laughs) Yeah, and then ghosts can't get you. And I'll be even safer. Real quick, let's double back to Hoodoo and be off topic for a hot second just because this was fucking cool. And I was like... I would like to talk about this, please. So, side note, you know Mojo? That was a specific Uh, hoodoo thing where it was like a bag of herbs specially prepared. Oh. And so it was specially prepared by a root worker in traditional practice. Mm -hmm. Um, Real quick definition of hoodoo. It's a set of spiritual practices originating with enslaved Africans, and it was kept secret from their white oppressors, so it was... Again, it was this way to kind of preserve culture. Right, um, it, right. It kind of gets mislabeled voodoo a lot, but it is a separate, a separate practice thing. Mm-hmm. from that. But I think there is some overlap just because, you know, it it has roots in similar cultures. But there there's overlap, but they're also distinct entities. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's, that's hoodoo. So one practice is to carry a mojo, which, again, is a small bag of herbs prepared by a root worker in the traditional practice. It wards off boo hags and haints oh. the mojo. And you know that song, I Got My Mojo Working, It Just Won't Work On You? Yeah. I always thought it was like, ooh, the mojo, like the cool vibes, but I think it's now having Yeah, because like, like, Austin research. Powers makes me think mojo is like the thing that you need. Like it's like your vibe. sex drive, basically. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I've got my black cat bones all pure and dry. I've got a four-leaf clover hanging high. i got my mojo working, just won't work on you. Mm. So it is, I've got my hoodoo ashes all around your bed. i got my black snake root underneath your head. i got my mojo working, just won't work on you. So that's, the mojo is like, it can be like good vibes. It can be like warding off bad vibes. Uh, it's like a very specific spiritual practice. That's so, cool. Oh, yeah. I was like, I have to talk about this. You could also ward off boo hags in a similar historical fashion as vampires. Mm-hmm. Because they have a compulsive need to count stuff. So you can set a strainer on a doorknob, toss some rice on the floor, or leave a broom on a doorway, and the boo hag has to stop and count, like, the individual pieces. Like, they can't help themselves. the count has a friend. 
Yes, and it's, and a it's the hag. blue hag. So, like, if you throw a bunch of rice down on the floor, they'll be like, oh, hey, you. But also, hold on. One, two, three, Interesting. Four, okay. Well, I always have rice in my house. So. Perfect. So you're going to just, like, scatter okay. some rice. You're going to be great. Okay. You could also scatter salt, which would dehydrate the boo hag's shed skin, and it would keep them from re-donning it to hide during the day so they'd kind of be trapped in their boo oh, hag yeah, state. Like, so they can ma- blend Made your skin to leather. Sorry yeah, about exactly. that. Yeah, It's like, put that back on. It's too small now. <laughs> And then you have the plat eye. And if you didn't like raw head, you're not going to like the plat eye. The plat eye is either a shapeshifter that seeks out anyone who has committed a heinous spiritual offense, the spirit of someone who was improperly buried, or the ghost of someone killed to protect a Confederate treasure. Huh. I was going to say, I was hoping it was like multiple platypuses, but apparently it's not. (laughs) No, it is not. That'd be much cuter. Plat eyes tend to congregate around swampy areas and old rice fields in particular. Mm-hmm. Those are their favorite. Most often, people report seeing plat eyes when they are on the road. Mm-hmm. The only way to avoid plat eyes is not to commit a grave spiritual offense. Like, once a plat eye is set on you, there is very little you can do to stop it from killing you. Uh-huh. The only... If, if you can't avoid... You've already committed your spiritual offense... You, you can't, you already improperly you're, you're buried somebody. It's chasing after you now. The only thing you can do to buy yourself a little bit of time is to pour a little bit of whiskey on the ground when the plat eye is chasing you and it'll get distracted licking up the liquor. Mm. But in general, the most powerful way to repel any haint is haint blue. That's going to be the thing that saves you. Okay. So, and that's. My deep dive blue. blue. That's cool. I never knew. That's yeah. awesome. Love it. I love it. All right. So I'm going to talk about how Halloween colors came to be. And Yay. my sources are Board and Brush, Reader's Digest, Three Brothers Painting, KingHalloween.com, FuneralGuide.net, and Dying.LoveToKnow.com. <laughs> Dying dot love to know. I love it. So, okay, if we're thinking about like the colors that we usually pair with holidays and seasons, you know, we've got red, green, and gold for Christmas. We've got, you know, silver and blue for more wintry vibes, pink and red for Valentine's, pastel colors for Easter and spring. You know, when you have a national holiday in your country, it's going to be your, you know, country's flag colors typically. Mm-hmm. Thinking about like Memorial Day, Fourth of July in the United States red, white, and blue. You got green for St. Patrick's Day, orange, yellow, and brown for fall and harvest stuff and Thanksgiving and, you know, your really bright colors for the summer. And then there's Halloween, right? And so traditionally when we browse our Halloween decor, which is probably already up at your local, you know, crafted home store. This week, let's yeah, be honest. I, I went to Michael's yesterday and there's already so much. It wasn't like their full Halloween stuff yet, but they had like a little bit of Halloween and they had some fall decor and then they had Perfect. like some of that transitional stuff. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. you usually see items that are orange and black as well as sometimes purple and lime green, but then also sometimes red and white. And we'll get to how white kind of worked its way into this, this group of kind of dark colors. Mm-hmm. But question to ask is why? And is it simply because pumpkins are orange and Halloween happens at night? 
yes, but also there's more to it. <laughs> I'd love it if you just went, yes. Yes, and that's my research. It was episode. just pumpkins in the darkness. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so let's start with black. Black obviously has that immediate association with spookiness, right? Look at mm-hmm. If you look at the Spoop Hour logo, it's a black square with various accents, right? And our little ghosty. Including orange. Yeah, including orange. And our little ghosty kind of stands out right in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's obviously associated with night, spooky, dark, you know, what could be out there, and shadows, which is where spooky things take place and exist. And, you know, sometimes there is a argument to be made for black being, like, a peaceful, serious, serene, and safe color. But typically in literature and film, you're going to associate it with darkness, the absence of light, literary, literally and metaphorically, right? It's going to be that symbol or motif of like evil or shadiness or uncertainty, mystery, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it already doesn't have like a good reputation as like a color itself, but it is an obvious contender for a holiday like Halloween. So in the early days of Halloween-like celebrations in the world, black actually was supposed to be a more sad color than spooky. So we've talked about this in all of our previous Halloween exploits, but we're going to trace our origins of Halloween back to Samhain. Which we remember is that ritual that the ancient Celts celebrated in late October, early November. And mm-hmm. that's because it's approximately halfway between fall equinox and winter solstice. And, you know, we think about black as kind of this representation of the dark months that come with the winter and the colder season. But there's also the more obvious association of black with death, along with Sawin. And so, you know, we know that during Samhain, the veil between the worlds grows thin, making it easier for those who wish to communicate with spirits and ancestors is just a lot easier because it's thin. So the celebration includes, you know, those tributes and offerings to deceased ancestors, and uh, celebrants would wear a deep black mourning dress, basically as we do for funerals in many Western countries. And so that was kind of like that obvious draw for like including black in your Halloween decor, because if we're already using black in Samhain's traditions and then now in our funeral rites, it's like, yeah, it kind of fits in with this holiday that is spooky and, you know associated with ghosts and stuff. And so, you know, when you think also about, like, the Halloween decor and general symbolism of the holiday, many critters are also shown in black, right? Cats, spiders, bats, and all of those throughout history and folklore have all been labeled as evil at some point. You know, so it it goes kind of together. So that's where our, like, kind of obvious first color comes from. So we have orange, and our obvious roots here are in the harvest season or the festivals associated with harvest. So you're thinking about orange as the color of a certain notable gourd. (laughs) And, you know, what gourd, Sasha? Sasha? (laughs) Tell me, tell me, tell me. (laughs) And, you know, turned leaves, fire, candy corn, (laughs) and, you know, other seasonally appropriate foods and items. Mm -hmm. And so orange, again, like with black, is associated with Samhain because it ushered in the harvest time, but also fire. The ancient Celts would light community fires while leaving the fires in their own hearths to burn out. And fires were used in rituals to help either, you know, ward off spirit, uh, evil spirits while the gateway between the living and dead was weak. And it's also associated with the ideas of warmth and protection and safety, which kind of sets orange off away f- and apart from black. Because mm-hmm. if you're thinking about the two, like fire against a night sky, it's kind of like the two different sides of the holiday, right? Black is spooky, but orange is going to be the thing that kind of keeps you safe in the midst of the spookiness. 
And then, you know, we get into what kind of our less obvious, but still related, especially lately in like the last 20 years in Halloween decor, you got your purples, greens, reds, and white. So first off, I have a question for you. Uh Uh-oh. What's a cat's favorite color? (gasps) I don't know, Sasha. What's a cat's favorite color? Purple. Hey, it's spoop hour, and then the episode starts over again, again, and you're in it for another hour. So purple has been creeping its way into spooky Halloween decor over the past couple of decades, and it does not have any associations with Samhain, but it does Mm -hmm. represent a bit of the supernatural. And so purple is often associated with royalty, wealth, and power, but it's also been used to represent the mystical and magical, which is often a color used to depict witches and wizards in uh, in pop culture. Mm -hmm. And it's also associated with mystery, which can go along with that spookiness of Halloween. In contemporary witchcraft practices, purple is often associated with intuition, knowledge, psychic ability, and power. And also in some legends, purple is also used to mark the home of a witch. So that's where that kind of purple goes in with like the spookiness. Interesting. Because as I just talked about, purple was hard to come by. So to waste it on just marking houses of people who could be witches, like damn. Damn, yeah. So it's, a, it's a serious color. Yeah. In some countries like Brazil and Thailand, purple is actually worn as a color of mourning, the death of a loved one. So for Brazilian Catholics, it's actually considered disrespectful and unlucky to wear purple if not attending a funeral because that color oh. has this like sacred meaning of it. Apparently, it is the symbol of the pain and suffering of Christ. So you also will often see purple used oh. in like Catholic Easter. Yeah. You know. A lot of purple yeah. in Catholicism. Yeah. I, I just actually just occurred to me because I, as someone who's raised in no religion, when you, like, during Easter, I've seen like the cross with the purple sash the on purple it. Drape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it, it just, it's all coming together. Yeah, now. I'm like, oh. The second you said that, I was like, oh, yeah. yeah purple is using Yeah. And I was someone who was raised with Catholicism. Yeah. So, so, you so know. that's the kind of like where the purple is associated with, with, like pain and suffering, right? Yeah. And then in Thailand, it's actually reserved for widows to wear after the death of their spouse, while other mourners will wear black. From a design standpoint, purple does stand out from black as like an alternative color for backgrounds or to make shadowy things a bit more visible. So if you're thinking about trying to put a black cat on a black background, you want to offset that with some other colors. You might put a black cat over a purple background. So from a design standpoint, it makes dark things a little bit easier to see. Yeah. It's also used in a lot of like kid-friendly decor to make things a little bit less spooky because if you associate if you're a little kid and you associate the darkness with the color black, it makes, you know, pur- purple is like, oh, you can still see a little bit of light, you know. Makes it less scary. There's also quite a few Disney villains who are associated mm-hmm. with purple. And some of the most notable ones you can re- you know, remember are Maleficent from Sleeping Beauty, yep. Dr. Facilier from Princess and the Frog, the evil yep. queen from Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, Ursula from Little Mermaid. There she is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you think about the color purple being associated with power or ambition, it kind of makes sense for that. There are mm-hmm. also heroes who wear purple, like Aladdin and Anna from Frozen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the the two of them have, you know, same ambition, but they're not necessarily evil like these other Disney villains. But I just know that, yeah, like, you can kind of get away with purple as being that, like, spookier, more sinister color in that way. Yeah. 
Then we have green, and green can evoke several spooky things, including stuff like poison or monsters, supernatural weather patterns, right? You know, we might see it in a less sinister way in terms of, like, the stem of a pumpkin, right? Uh Uh, In, you know, kind of like fall decor, right? Or Mm -hmm. less spooky Halloween decor. But green is also used to illustrate monsters. Like, think about, like, Frankenstein's monster, zombies, witches with green skin, aliens, right? We use that really sickly green for Mm -hmm. those. Poison control stickers, or speaking of the evil queen... Mr. Yuck! Yeah, Mr. Yuck! Or the evil queen from Snow White. She dips her apples in that green poison that makes kind of the skull face, right? Nuclear waste is often depicted as being neon green and... Yeah. That's the spookiest thing of all. <laughs> Actually, there's something spookier, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But oh. nuclear waste, pretty spooky. Yes. Bad. <laughs> but also, you know, when you think about supernatural things, green has been used to illustrate or even said to be witnessed as, you know, a glowing green fog, floating mist, yeah. flashes of spooky bright lights. You the know, sky turns green before tornadoes. Before tornadoes, yeah. Or if you have like a very disorienting kind of experience people talk about seeing green right and when you're using it in lighting like for glow sticks or glow in the dark items it emits a dimmer light than white light so it kind of creates that eeriness spookiness that comes with that like yeah you have a little bit of a light source but it's not it's not a friendly light source if that makes sense yeah. All right. And then we've got white. And so white has kind of worked its way into some Halloween decor lately because it kind of makes things a little upscale, right? If you're trying to class up yeah. the place, but you also want to make it spooky, you're you know, thinking about like this monochromatic decor. you got that black, silver, white. It's classy as fuck, right? But is it yeah. scary? Mm. I mean, what's, what's spookier yet classier than a skeleton? Right. So it absolutely can be, right? White can represent the undead and the loneliness of spirits who cannot rest. Yeah. So you're thinking about your ghosts, right? Yeah. Also, skeletons, skulls, bones, decaying in the ground. White? Spooky, yeah. right? There's a whole song about how spooky, scary Ske- skeletons are. Yeah. There is. They wouldn't have made that song if it weren't true. Exactly. And then also, you know, you think about your other Halloween creatures or, you know, entities associated with Halloween. Clowns, white faces, fucking scary as shit. It's true. Mummy bandages (laughs) as shown in Western depictions, right? Oh, yeah. Wrap it up in, you know, white, white, white uh, strips of fabric. The shower from Psycho. It's white. It's stark. It shows the blood really well, right? (laughs) And so, you know, that's kind of like the way it's worked its way in is like if you Mm -hmm. go into the go go to the Target and you go into the Halloween section, which is not up yet. I checked yesterday. Boo, Target. Yeah, it's still back to school. Boo, back to school. school. But, you know, in in past years, you'll see white as, like, your your skeleton decor, but also, yeah, sometimes your your spooky ghost things. Like, you you, you see it more often, and you kind of, like, don't think that, oh, I'm looking at a a Halloween color here, because we think of Halloween colors kind of like orange and black. Like purple and black, though, it is a color associated with death and mourning in different parts of the world. In a lot of... East Asia, it will be associated with both kind of a purification and purity, but also with like funeral traditions. Mm-hmm. In some Buddhist traditions, as practiced in India, Cambodia, areas of Japan, some parts of China as well that are Buddhist, white is going to be this mourning color that's associated both with death and an inauspicious energy. It can also be associated with rebirth. 
in some practices where in Cambodia, the family of someone who dies will wear white in the mourning process in hope that their loved ones will be reborn again. And in Japan, a deceased female will be dressed in a white kimono for the funeral ceremony. So if you think sometimes when we see depictions of Japanese ghosts in media, it's like a woman wearing a white kimono with like the little triangle. Yes. White triangle on her head. When Jack was the ghost king, he had three of those little triangles. Yeah, yeah. So so you can think of like Japanese ghost imagery. That's kind of like what they they use for the funeral ceremony. And actually in Russia, some parts of Russia, they do white for the the funeral ceremony as well. And then in some Hindu traditions, white is also a mourning and funeral color. And it's also a color of mourning in Ethiopia. So it's not only East Asia. It's South Asia. It's... Ethiopia is in Africa, right, that it's not uncommon to see it around the world. This is where that cultural overlap yeah. just keeps, keeps coming, coming back. Yeah. You can't escape the cultural Mm-mm. overlap. Yeah. And so finally, my last color, red. <laughs> Yay! Blood muffins. Blood muffins. I'm glad that, okay, I was thinking blood muffin too, and I'm glad that you Were said, you really? I was really, because I was going to say red. It's the color of blood muffin. In my, yeah, in my head, I was like, blood muffin, and I, I couldn't stop myself from saying it out loud, and as it was coming out of my mouth, I yeah. was like, this is such a stupid no, fucking joke. I was like, how do I work blood muffin into this? <laughs> And you Don't said worry, it. I'm just going to do you it. You just did it. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to shoehorn blood muffins in wherever I can. Glass. <laughs> anyway, so red has We're worked. We're very if, old and have been on the internet a long yeah. time. Yeah. If I, if I, oh my God. If I say shiz to any of my kids born today or born shiz. in my classes, like they were Nothing. born in like 2004. Uh. Like it. That's like when Shiz came out. It was like 2005, yeah. I had already had my first blog right? by 2004. I know, me like, too. I like, oh, Jesus. Jesus. I went on LiveJournal, I think, in like 2003. Yeah, I had a Zanga since <laughs> like, yeah, 2002. Oh, uh, Jesus. Yeah. Anyway. We're so old. We're going to go live in the woods with old Betty. <laughs> so let me and tell you tell why, her about blood muffins why beyond black beyond orange all these other colors why red is actually maybe the spookiest one of all so Ooh. it's worked its way into the halloween color association again because of its associations with blood muffins specifically, <laughs> specifically blood, blood muffins muff- not regular blood Blood muffins. blood muffins. Meanwhile, everyone who hasn't seen that video is like, what Why the fuck are you guys is talking about blood muffins? There's an internet video from <laughs> the guy who brought us Shiz. shoes, which you should also watch. Just like Google, let's get some shoes and watch that video. I think it's held up. I watched it somewhat recently and I'm, I still enjoyed it. Also created a video where he's like a muffin seller and he has a bunch of like weird muffins. So I'll show, watch the muffin. One of the muffins is blood muffin. Where are you going? Out. Whore. <laughs> I'm going to get what I want. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> blood or red. On its own, it's this you know, it's the color of intensity, aggression, anger, sure. right? But for Halloween and especially its use in decorations, it's the symbol of death and dying and a reminder that we are human and mortal, which is the spookiest True. thing of all. What could be spookier than knowing you're going to die? Spookier than nuclear waste. Memento mori, man. Blood is the scariest thing. And blood muffin. Associate. You can't escape the blood muffin. Aside from bloody muffins and bloody decor, 
that you might find at your Target, like loose body parts, those stickers that you can stick on things that are just bloody handprints and like you know dripping blood. Yep. You'll also see the color used in vampiric imagery for obvious reasons. Also, support our Patreon to hear us yell about stupid Twilight vampires. <laughs> vampires. Yes. Vampires. Vampires. I mean, they don't deserve to be called vampires. No, they they're vampires. Vampires. But Friggin yeah. Vampers. So. So we've got black as the color of darkness, orange, the color of fire. We've got purple, the color of mystery, green, the color of monsters, white, the color of ghosts, and red, the color of blood. Muffins. Muffins. Real quick, vampire makes me think, what if Twilight were set in the Midwest? <laughs> Vampers. It's like, oh, Bella. Oh, jeez, oh, Bella. Geez, I just Bella. love you so much. I'm a vampire. I'm a vampire. Say it. Vampire. <laughs> vampire. <laughs> I'm so sorry to our listeners yeah, in the Midwest. I was going to say, I'm, I'm sorry to my grandma. <laughs> I'm sorry to Dr. Lisa Lucas. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry to Dr. Lisa Lucas and Sasha's grandmother specifically, but also everybody in the Midwest. But you got to admit, that would have made Twilight better. It would have made Twilight better if it took place in the Midwest and not in Forks. Yeah. Bella could have worked at Meyer instead of at Mike's Hot Mom's yeah. sports store. I love Meyer. I went there with Dr. Lisa Lucas. You did. It was you fun. Did. They jealous. sell liquor just like out in the open. Whoa. Yeah. Oh. You can just go buy a handle at the Meyer. What a concept. You don't have to go to a fucking ABC store. Oh my God. What fucking a concept. Alcohol beverage control. <laughs> don't control your alcohol beverage. <laughs> <laughs> control my foot up your ass. Anyway, so that was spooky Halloween colors. <laughs> that was spooky colors. This has been our episode on spooky colors. What spooky color didn't we cover that you want us to talk about? Burgundy. Have you seen Burgundy? <laughs> Yellow. I wonder. All the colors are but Halloween. See, now colors I'm like wondering, color. like, is pink spooky? Pink could be spooky. Pink like is. Like, you do, like, the black pink emo thing. Yeah. Could be spooky. Hmm. Jack and I have yeah, matching so- water bottles now, and his is black and mine is pink, and every time I walk by them, I go, there are two genders. <laughs> <laughs> I've got my pink water bottle it's, right it's here it. because, you know, there's only yeah. two genders it's, and they're water bottles. It's the it's the, the goth girlfriend and the pastel girlfriend. <laughs> Our water bottles are girlfriends. Yes, that makes sense. That, I, I've heard that about a lot of water bottles. Yeah. They're girlfriends. So email us, spookypower.gmail.com. Tell us stuff about colors. Like, what's your experience of spooky colors? Does your house have a haint blue ceiling? Have you ever yeah. seen a haint? Do you have a porch? Did, yeah, do it, you have a porch? Is it haint blue? Do you hide from do you hide from boo hags on your porch? Like, do you have a have porch, you seen... but your your ceiling is not haint blue, and you've had a ghost in it? And now you're worried that the reason why you had a ghost in your porch is because your ceiling wasn't haint blue. Email spoopower at gmail dot com. I know and we'll some tell of y'all. What color paint your house. Some of y'all live in haunted houses, and now I'm like very curious. Yeah, so tell us, tell us what color your haunted house is. You know, just <laughs> just talk to us. My parents' house like, is orange. I wonder if that's anything. Spooky. My parents have a porch. <gasps> what color is the ceiling? Yellow. <laughs> oh, that's why your mom's a ghost magnet. She didn't paint her house the right pa- color. No, my parents' house is like orange, yellow, and green. Your parents are like my, my three parents live in a giant pumpkin. Yeah, <laughs> like they just paint a black the, streak. The green and shutters golden. are like pumpkin stem green. <laughs> Uh, that's amazing. Yeah. So Sasha's parents live in a pumpkin. You know the story James and the giant peach? It was Sasha it's and the giant pumpkin. It's based on Sasha's parents because her house was a pumpkin. So, yeah, tell us what fruit or vegetable you lived in or would live in if you had to live in a gourd of some variety. I wonder I like what I could... would be a structurally sound gourd. I'd like to live in a watermelon. 
I like the stripes. I, honestly, I'd keep it classic. I would go pumpkin because I've seen how long pumpkins last. They're pretty structurally sound. Actually, they're, yeah, they're one really of my friends sturdy. made a jack uh, a, a jack-o'-melon. Yeah. And she said that it was, like, done, like, very quickly. Like, yeah, it whereas, collapsed like, on itself. You, do that, pumpkin. you carve yourself a little house into your pumpkin, you're going to be good for a while. Yeah, yeah so. maybe I'll, I would go pumpkin. Or maybe yeah, a so boot. So email us to tell us what fruit or vegetable you'd live in. I'd live the old, be the old lady who lives in a boot. You know what I would live in? Honestly, a potato. Oh. Potato's gonna last you. You wouldn't need to start your clothes. Exactly. They'd all just come out immediately pressed. I'd have eyes on everything. <laughs> These are top-tier potato jokes, so if you're not laughing, that's on you. <laughs> you can get fried. That was another potato oh. joke. Deal with it. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We love you even if we're hostile about potatoes. Yeah. I just remembered something. I was, I was just thinking about tornado potatoes. Off. I was thinking about potatoes, but as birth control. So I'm going to tell Sasha a story when we're <laughs> off the air. And you all can wonder what that story is going to be. Email us at gmail.com if you figure it out. Th- again, thank you for listening. Make good choices. We love you. Tell us what fruit or vegetable you'd live in. Tell us what color you would paint that fruit or vegetable. Tell us your favorite Halloween color. Yeah. Tell us what you're going to be for Halloween. Just talk to us. We're all so lonely. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a downer note. No, rainbows, sunshine. Rainbows are colors. Rainbows are colors. Colors are spooky. Huge. You heard it here first. The Mona Lisa, the Hope Diamond, the sarcophagus of King to Uncommon. Humanity has accumulated hundreds upon hundreds of priceless artifacts and treasures, each one the physical embodiment of a certain time and place. But for all of humankind's greatest achievements, we also kind of suck. For every priceless painting on display in the Louvre, there is another masterpiece stolen and bartered off in an underground auction, or even collecting dust in your grandmother's attic. Each week, Relic, the Lost Treasure podcast, explores the strange, but mostly true, tales behind history's greatest lost treasures. If you like unsolved mysteries and true crime, with maybe a little less murder, but certainly a few weird deaths, then you should come along on the journey. Join me, Maxwell, as I dig beneath the couch cushions of history. You can find Relic on iTunes or stream us at relic.blueberry.net. That's blueberry without the E's. Adventure awaits. <laughs>